The book of Acts chapter 4. We are in a series called Bracing for Impact. And uh, impact defined by uh, the dictionary is one of two things. It's the act or force of one thing hitting another or a powerful influence or effect. And I mentioned last week, I think when we come down to human interactions, we see both of those things at play. We kind of hit on each other in each other's lives and influence and have an impact in each other's lives um, through our impact influence. So this morning, um, we're going to look at the book of Acts because I don't know that there's any other theme that's, that's, that fits better the book of Acts than the word impact. The book of Acts is about the impact, the impact of the gospel, the impact of the risen Christ, the impact of the Holy Spirit, the impact of the church, all working together so powerfully that even at one point their enemies had to admit these are the people who are turning the world upside down. That's impact. So this morning we're going to be uh, looking at the title of the message is Praying for Impact. And uh, we're going to be joining in a few moments the disciples for an incredibly impactful prayer meeting. But before we do, I, we want to have the backstory on it. Um, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And as they're going for the hour of prayer, there's a lame man who is, sits at the temple doors begging for his livelihood. And as Peter and John walk by, Peter stops and he says to him, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. And he said, Rise in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walk. And this man got up and walked and leapt and joined Peter and John in the temple praising God. Jesus' healing power touching this man, hitting this man, that's impact. What happens then is a large crowd gathers around because they're astonished to see this man they knew who was lame, walking, leaping, praising God. And so this large crowd gathers around. It creates quite a commotion. And Peter uses that moment to preach the gospel. He preaches Christ to them. And their hearts are impacted by the gospel. And the Bible says that, you know, the number grew from 3,000 in Acts chapter 2 to 5,000 in Acts chapter 3. That's impact. 2,000 more souls added to the kingdom. That's impact. Well, then the religious leaders, the very same ones who crucified Jesus Christ, are really bothered because they were hoping that Jesus was behind them and that they weren't going to hear any more about Jesus or any more about his claims or his miracles. And here is this massive crowd being preached to in Jesus' name, healed in Jesus' name. And so they grab Peter and John, they pull them into a room, and they say, you need to stop talking about Jesus. You need to stop talking about Jesus. Peter answers them, says, hey, you be the judge. Should we obey God or should we obey men? But as for us, we cannot help but speak about what we know. So this is the background of what's going on. And uh, let's pick up the story in verse 21 of chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 21. After further threats, they let them go. 
They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together, they're applying the scripture, the Psalms, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Man, there is so much in there we're not going to cover this morning. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and let's pause there for a moment. They've been threatened. They know that these religious authorities have the power, they have the authority to do them, to, to carry out on their threats. They, these are the men who engineered the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They've been threatened. They're praying about those threats. If you or I were in that prayer meeting and we were praying about threats to our lives and well-being, what do you think we'd be praying for? First thing that comes to my mind is we'd be praying for safety, right? We'd be praying for our safety. God, protect us from these threats. Keep us safe from these threats. That's a prayer that makes sense. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But that's not what they prayed for. We might pray for God to deal with those who are threatening us. For God to stretch out his hand and teach them a lesson, neutralize their threats. And again, that makes sense. And there's nothing wrong with such a prayer. But they didn't pray for that either. Here's what they pray for. Verse 29. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know what they ask for? They ask God to give them more impact. They ask God to do more through them. Help them to speak. Help us to speak. Listen, it is speaking the name of Jesus boldly that got them into trouble. So what do they pray for? Help us to do it more. It is the healing of a man that got them into hot water. So what do they pray for? Lord, stretch out your hand and heal some more. Help the impact to grow. Give more impact. They don't pray for safety. 
They don't pray for protection. They pray the Lord keeps using their lives to impact even more lives. Here's what I want to encourage with this this, this morning. I want to encourage us, uh, if we're not already doing this, to add this component or this um, arsenal, uh, this weapon into our arsenal to pray for impact. Pray for impact. It's not the only kind of prayer out there. We pray prayers of thanksgiving, and that's good. We thank God for his faithfulness. We pray for sustenance. We pray to God provide for us. Give us this day our daily bread, and that's a good prayer. We pray for wisdom and direction when we, when we have a decision to make or just in daily life. We pray for all these things, and they're good, and we're supposed to pray for them. I want to include pray for impact. Pray that your life and my life have impact for the gospel, for the kingdom, impact in people's lives. Let's learn a lesson from the early church and pray for impact. That God use our lives to impact other lives with the power of the gospel. And I want to draw three thoughts about praying for impact from this passage and the surrounding scenario. The first thought is this, praying for impact helps us put life in the right perspective. And the life in the right perspective is always seeing God as big. Always seeing God as big. Verse 21, we read that the words, after further threats. So these religious authorities seized them, grabbed them, threatened them, commanded them. And when they answered them, we can't stop, they threatened them some more. After further threats, we're going we're gonna to come at you, we're going to come at your family, we're going to arrest you, we're going to have you beaten, we're going to maybe kill you. After further threats. So they, the, the, Peter and John leave with these threats ringing in their ears. That's what they have ringing in their ears. And they know those threats have real bite behind them. Um, they took the threat seriously because when they go back to the other disciples waiting for them, the first thing they do is report all the threats that these men had, had given them, had spoken to them. So they've taken the threat seriously, but when they pray, let's notice that they don't open their prayer with how big the threats are. They open their prayers with how big God is, how big God is. They say, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, they begin with a big view of God. God is in control. God has made all things. God is sovereign. They align their perspective with who God is. And that gives them tremendous perspective on what's going on here. I, for some reason, when I read this, the word loom came to me. You know when something looms over you? You probably have something looming over you. I suppose it kind of has a little bit of, a, of a, a dark feel to it, but I suppose something good could be looming over us as well. But I've, when I think the religious leaders, after further threats, what they wanted to do was have threats looming over Peter and John as they left. 
looming over them. This is the big thing looming in their lives. And when they go back to the disciples and say, we have been threatened, they're out to get us, that that would loom over the whole group of disciples and become, and the goal was that it would silence them, that they would, threats, let's keep quiet, that it would stop the impact that, that was just happened in the temple gate. That's the desire of the high priests of Caiaphas and Annas and the, and the scribes and the teachers of the law is that this would loom over them and it would change their actions. And the disciples saw the threat. They take it seriously, but they see God as bigger than the threat. And that put everything else in proper perspective. They see the threats are real. They're looming. But they don't control, the disciples say, our lives. God controls our lives. I want to suggest that a proper perspective in life does not ignore the threats, the dangers, the very real things that go on in our lives. There, there are things looming over your life right now. There are things looming over my life right now. There are issues we need to address. Again, some of them could be good, some of them could be rough, but there are things that, there are issues we need to address. There are relationships we need to navigate, people we need to interact with, maybe problems within interactions that we need to navigate and figure out and work out. There are problems we need to, we need to solve or work through in some way. There are decisions we need to make. There are fears we wrestle with. There are goals. There are dreams that we want to achieve. These are real things. These are real things in our lives. They loom over our lives. And the problem isn't that these issues are in our lives. The answer isn't to ignore these issues or not take them seriously or not deal with them. That's not the answer. They can loom. If you have a big situation in your life, it's going to probably take more of your attention now than something that's very minor that's going on in your life. The problem isn't that these things loom over our lives. The problem comes in when these things get so big in our eyes that we lose sight of how big God is. That we begin to think they have control over our lives. I'm going to lose my job. That's going to control my life. You know, I don't have the, the, the money for the bills. That's got control over my life. I, I just got a call from the doctor. That has control over my life. That's when it begins to be a problem. Not when we address them, not when we see them, not when we take them seriously, but when we begin to think they have control over our lives. And I don't know about you, but that can happen to me pretty easily, where functionally it can, that thing can take control over my life pretty easily. And when we do that, it derails our obedience to God. It can derail our obedience to God. It can derail our trust in God, and it can affect our impact for Christ. So prayer doesn't belittle the things going on in our lives, but it magnifies our view of God. As we spend time in God's presence in prayer, 
we begin to see the, the greatness, the bigness, the sovereignty. God is in control of your life. Do you believe that? God is in control of your life. God is sovereign. Not just over your life, over everything. And I mean everything. And I mean every everything. He is sovereign over all things. There is no circumstance that has control over your life. There is no pressure or problem that has control over your life. There is no person who has control over your life. You don't even have control over your life. Not ultimately. God has control over our lives. God is sovereign. And when we go to prayer and we begin to see God's greatness shine through like the sun shining through a cloudy day and it begins to bring brilliant light to every other situation, we're getting a right perspective on life. Second thing about praying for impact is it helps prepare us for unexpected impact moments or opportunities. I want to point out this, that, you know, Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 are really one big story, and they're all linked together. But I want to point out nothing that happens in Acts chapter 3 or Acts chapter 4 was planned. None of it was part of a plan. None of it was this grand strategy that the church had or a church program that was, you know, that, that was being implemented. It was not planned at all. Peter and John are just on their way to the temple. They're going for prayer. That's all. Just like, you know, you were on your way to church this morning and they were just on their way to the temple. They had no plans to heal anybody. They had no plans to preach the gospel to anybody. They certainly had no plans to, to rankle the authorities. None of this was planned. This was unexpected. This was unplanned. But Peter and John were prepared for the unplanned because prayer was a consistent part of their life. They were prepared for the unplanned moments opportunities of impact because prayer is a part of their lives this whole situation is surrounded by prayer they're on their way to prayer in the temple when all this happens and as soon as it happens they're on their way back to pray with the disciples praying on the way when it happens praying after it happens prayer helps prepare their hearts for the unexpected. And when I say unexpected, I mean the unexpected thing that God wanted to do. One of the ways that prayer prepares us for the unexpected impact opportunities is by giving us eyes to see people as the Lord sees them. Prayer can help us have eyes to see people as the Lord sees them. Hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people, walk by this lame man every single day. And they, they knew he was there, and they were familiar with him being there, and they saw him there. But they didn't really see him. Not through the eyes of the Lord. 
This was a man who was carried to the temple every day. He could not walk there himself. So he's carried to the temple every day. He's laid down at the gate of the temple so that he can beg for a little bit of money just to live. That's his life. And after a while, people stopped noticing him. They saw him, but they didn't really see him. This can happen so easily in our lives. We pass people. How many people do we pass every day that we see, but we don't really see? Have you ever stopped to think, you know, as you're walking into Walmart and there's somebody there greeting you, do you ever stop and see them? Or think about, this is a human being. They're a Walmart greeter. They're a human being. Or, the, or at the cash register. Or that neighbor next to you that you just kind of wave hello to. Or the coworker that you have your business relationship, and then, but maybe that's all you see. And I'm not suggesting that we stop on the way into Walmart and, and begin to probe and pry and ask questions and all that of the Walmart greeter. But what I am suggesting is that God give us eyes to see people more than one-dimensionally. To see them the way the Lord sees them, with the love of the Lord. Peter saw this man. Chapter 3 tells us that Peter looked straight at him. He saw this man's need. And because he was in tune with the heart of God, and God had empowered him in an incredible way. He knew God wanted to minister to this lame man. Other people would throw a few bucks at this guy. Peter says, I don't have any money to give you, but what I have I will give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And it completely changed this man. And this became such an impactful evangelistic moment. Understand, this is the impact of this. You have to understand the story. The impact of this moment is far more than one man being healed, although that is precious. But now it explodes outward, and 2,000 people roughly become believers because of this unplanned impact moment. And none of this was an official church program. None of this was a church campaign. I remember, uh, and I'm sure there are evangelistic programs going on right now. Over the years, the church has tried a number of evangelistic programs um, to varying effects. Anybody, raise your hand if you remember the four spiritual laws. My wife raised her hand and put it right down. Nobody else. Yep, I see that hand back there. Come on down. No, I'm only. Uh, the four spiritual laws was an outreach uh, opportunity or plan program that the church used. Um, uh, there was evangelism explosion. You might have heard of that. Evangelism explosion. Um, in the 70s, I got involved. I was a teenager. I got involved with a program, a church program, or a campaign, a nationwide program called I Found It. Anybody want to raise their hand if you remember I Found It campaign? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Um, not too many. Well, I found it campaign. Among other things, I remember going to a house and we had all these phone banks and we would call people from the telephone book and we would ask them questions. And if they answered this, then you went here. It told you to go. It basically was telemarketing for Jesus. So um, now listen, 
I'm not knocking any of that. A lot of people came to faith in Christ through those programs, and programs are not bad. Churches, churches have programs, and God can use those programs, but, and I'm looking forward, I hope that we in this coming year can have at least one or two events to reach out as a program to the community and reach out with an outreach. But here's, here's where my heart's going that I think the greatest church program, the greatest church strategy for evangelism this year for Grace Community Church is called you. It's called me. It's called us. Just living our life and being witnesses for Jesus where we are. It's just sharing Jesus as God gives opportunity and praying so that we have eyes to see those unplanned impact moments and asking the Lord to give us boldness, asking the Lord to use us, asking the Lord to open our mouths, asking the Lord to give us a heart that cares about people, asking us to share our faith. I think that's the most powerful program we can have. And it's not a program. It's just people living their faith in a visible way. <clears throat> and listen, it, this may not, don't be discouraged if you don't share Peter's success and have 2,000 people come to Christ through your witness over the period of a year. I mean, he only had a few minutes. Let me say this. If you were to find a priceless jewel, a jewel so precious, you could not put a price on it. A billion dollars, not enough. A hundred billion dollars, not enough. A priceless jewel. How many of those would you have to find to think it worth your time? Just one. Just one would be enough. You don't need to find a thousand priceless jewels to be worth your effort. One. And my point is this. The soul of a person is priceless in God's sight. One soul. One soul coming to faith in Christ. You cannot put a price on that. So if God uses you to move one person to faith in Christ, or one person towards faith in Christ. You cannot put a price on that. That is priceless in the eyes of the Lord. Often impact opportunities are going to come disguised as interruptions to our lives. What I'm urging myself to do and you to do is that be ready for those interruptions and don't just say, let me get over this interruption. Say, God, how are you? Do you have something to do in this? Prayer helps us be ready for those opportunities that are disguised as interruptions. The last point I want to make this morning is praying for impact, is praying for God to impact people with good. Look at verse 29 again, the last part of it. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus.
the disciples as they prayed in the face of these threats, the answer to the threats they faced is to ask God to do good. God to do good. They asked for God's power, but not to smite their enemies. There's no vindictiveness. There's no vengeance in this prayer. None at all. They pray, Lord, answer these threats with good. Use us to do good in the name of Jesus. The other night, Janice and I were listening. She was listening, and I, I started, I was fascinated by what I heard. But there was a kind of a YouTuber, furniture repair kind of guy who was sharing, honestly, how uh, he had been struggling for years with insomnia. Severe, severe insomnia. And he was sharing how the way that insomnia affected him wasn't to make him tired. It was to make him anxious. So he lived. He didn't feel tired all day, but he felt this anxiousness, this worry and this fear kind of worrying around in his head through the course of the day. And then it would get worse at night because as he went to bed, something that we just kind of like, okay, now I'm unwinding and going to bed. Well, that was his point of problem. So that's when he began to worry all the more. Am I going to be able to sleep? Am I going to get to sleep? Am I going to stay asleep? And he would just, it would actually create even bigger fears as he would lie down. He said, there were days when I'd go three days in a row on three hours of sleep for the three days. And the thing that he shared that I thought was so interesting, this had been going on in his life for years, but most people had no idea this was going on in his life. And what I want to share as we kind of close here uh, is that people are carrying around heavy burdens. The, the layman, I think his burden was easy to see. It was very visible. But not all of burdens that people carry are visible. And not all are we able to see. We may have no idea that that person that we rub shoulders with is dealing with depression. We may have no idea that that's going on in their lives. We may have no idea that that other person lies awake at night with fears just kind of looming over their heart. We, have, we can't see that person who acts super confident is literally eaten up with insecurity. Or that person who really has life by the tail, really does have it all, feels a crushing sense of emptiness in their life. We, we don't necessarily know the health concerns somebody is dealing with. We may not be able to see that that marriage is on the rocks, even though the couple put on a happy face when they're in public. There are so many ways that we don't see what might be going on in a person's lives, in each other's lives, and in people that we rub shoulders with. I love this prayer because they're asking God to impact lives with good the greatest good is the gospel that is the greatest good is that jesus made a way for us to be saved the greatest good is that jesus died on that cross 
to pay for our sins, rose from the dead so that any who believe in him might have eternal life, receive it by faith, be forgiven of their sins, and be reconciled with God. There's no greater good than that. But what I love about the early church is it wasn't just we want to teach you this particular thing. We want to see God's goodness impact your life in every way. So it wasn't just to bring people to Christ. And I don't say just as if that's just. But that wasn't the only thing they were focused on. They're asking God to stretch out his hand in power and to do healing and to do signs and wonders and to help them preach the gospel. He cares about all these other things. What what I'm trying to say is he cares about that person struggling with fear all night long and insomnia. He cares about the insomnia. Yes, the biggest thing is to bring them into life through Christ. But the other issues are important to God as well, and they should be to us as well. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria, where he performs signs and wonders. People are healed. Demon-possessed are set free. People paid attention to his teaching about Jesus. And the result, Acts chapter 8 says, is that there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. Praying for impact, I think, includes, Lord, use us to bring great joy to our neighbor, to our coworker, to our friend, to our community, that there might be great joy in the city. Do you believe God can use your life to impact in that way? I do. I believe God can use our lives to impact in that way. Prayer, but only if we are praying. No prayer, no power, little impact. I want to call the band back up. As we close out this, uh, this prayer meeting, um, I want to point out to you that it says the Holy Spirit shook the house they were in. You ever notice things like that? I mean, they're praying. The Holy Spirit shook the house they're in. And, I, I, you know, I, I put, give a little bit of thought, like, why, why did the Holy Spirit do that? Why did he literally, and I think it's literally, shake the house they're in? Like, what did that accomplish? And I, I came to this conclusion. I have no idea, really, why he shook the house they were in. Um, uh, I think it was a visible way of saying God hears your prayers and he answers powerfully. The early church had those wonderful moments of God visibly, powerfully showing, I'm listening, I'm here, I'm working, I'm answering your prayers. Visible. We prayed this morning, a few uh, gathered this morning. And by the way, Sunday mornings, 930 and 945, we're going to be praying for the service. We prayed this morning, a few of us. Um, the place did not get, this building did not get shaken. I didn't feel any tremors at all. And I'm okay with that. But 
God answers prayers. What that was meant, God's, God didn't say, I'm going to shake every time people pray. I'm going to shake the, I'm going to give an earthquake. What he's saying is, I do answer prayers. I do hear your prayers. I will answer powerfully. Church, let's believe that. Amen? Amen? Can we believe that? Yeah, yeah. Look at your weakness. I'm looking at my weakness. And that's like, no way, Jose, that's not going to happen. But then we look at God in prayer. We look at his word in faith. We look at the risen Christ. We look at the Holy Spirit within us. And we realize as we go together to God in prayer, God can do. God will do. He will answer prayers. He will do great things. It's about God. And praying is calling upon God. So, let's pray that God helps us to see him as big. Let's pray that God helps us, our lives, to make a difference. Let's pray that God helps us be prepared for the unplanned impact opportunities God is going to bring our way. Your way this week. My way this week. Let's pray that God uses us to do good to help the poor, to help feed someone who's hungry, to help care for someone who's hurting, to help in a very physical, visible way when opportunity comes. Let's especially pray for boldness to open our mouth and share Jesus. Because you know what? If we do everything else and we don't share Jesus, we just look like good people. We have got to do it as the disciples prayed in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord God. We know that you are great. We know that you are massively, sovereignly glorious. Lord, I pray that you will help us, God, to see that, but also, Lord, to, to, for it to draw us into prayer. That, Lord, added to the prayers we pray for, for provision, for protection, for wisdom, for character, for your working in our families and our lives, that we would add to that, that we pray for impact, Lord, that we pray that you will use our humble lives, this humble church, to impact lives for Jesus Christ, to do good in their lives, Lord. Lord, help us in this day, in in this hour, to be your lights and your ambassadors. Give us fresh faith, Lord. And Lord, as we go from here, give us eyes to see people the way you see them, not one dimensionally, but fully. Give us hearts that are ready to be interrupted with our, from our plans for those unplanned impact opportunities. And Lord, we will be careful because this is not of us. We will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.